0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Wow. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a part of what God is doing on the the planet right now. Yeah? These are good days. And um, I just want to... Start off by repeating again from last week, our appreciation and thanks to everybody who helped with the worship school. Those who were hosting people, delegates from out of town, uh, those that were serving, and um, of course the team uh, from Breakthrough Worship, also part of uh, the teaching and the training times. You know, right from the very beginning, built into our, our DNA, has been this understanding that we exist not just for ourselves as a local congregation, but the Lord is using us to serve other people. I mean, and this is consistent with the understanding that the church is the only organization on the planet that exists for its non members. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. We exist for people who are not yet part of the church, as well as obviously for for ourselves, but you know this is the the heartbeat that we 're not just consumers but we 're also those who contribute, and so we have this as a mindset as a local congregation, you know part of that whole um, building refurbishment that Daryl was referring to, you know all this additional um, office space and stuff that we need is because we're serving so many other people from around uh, the nation and, of course, the continent. And, you know, we'll get further opportunity for that spring conference with Foundation Ministries International. And that's the network that we're part of, and in fact, we actually are the host church. And and so that's why all this extra infrastructure is needed and required, because we're serving people right throughout the continent, and there's going to be an absolutely amazing opportunity for us to be trained and to be equipped. The whole focus of that event is that we would be disciple makers who make disciple makers, who plant churches. Man, this thing's going to get wild, explosive, in a good way. All right. Fantastic. So again, thanks everybody um, for for your uh, involvement with the worship school. And so last week when I was um, speaking, because it was the, the tail end of the worship school, I spoke about the tabernacle, that God wants to dwell with us. And in the scriptures you'll see that sometimes it will, will translate dwell with, other times, other translations will translate tabernacle and it's interchangeable because he wants to tabernacle, he wants to dwell with these people. And we, we spoke about the, um, the framework of worship and of entering into his presence using the understanding of the tabernacle. Because God said to Mo on the top of the mountain, he said, but I'm going to give you the structure. And when you build it and you get everything in the right place I will come and I the New King James puts it quite nicely he says I will meet with you there and I will speak to you That's the whole point is that God wants to be with these people I will meet with you and I will speak to you And that was the type the pattern given in the Old Testament but it's speaking, it's pointing towards his intention for us in the new covenant that he wants to meet with us and speak to us. So you can see how this ties in with where we've been for the last six months and and we've been doing it somewhat slowly. And part of it is so that instead of just like doing a quick overview and we miss a bunch of things, actually by just slowing the pace down there's many more things that we can grab a hold of and we can access them and implement them in our own lives. You see, the preaching and the teaching that we're involved in when we come together, our Sundays are not just about the meeting. Look, it's wonderful. I'm glad to see you here. Thanks for coming. This is really nice. Okay? But, This is actually not the point. The point of this is Monday through Saturday. Yeah? Listen, if it was just about, hey, we can have this little experience for a couple of hours on a Sunday, you know, and that's all it was, that's religion. But we're not called to religion. We're called to a life in him. And so when we gather, it's about getting trained and equipped and energized that we might be transformed by what he's saying to us, that we can live lives that please him. So the preaching is not just informational, it's meant to be transformational. So we're supposed to do something with what we're hearing which is why we did that activation as part of our prayer time. Can I just say you guys are amazing? Really, you're amazing. Look, firstly, yeah, yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah, I'll tell you why you gave yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> firstly, it's cold out there. Oh my goodness, it would have been way easier to stay in bed. Amen. Right? So it took effort to get out of bed and to get, you know, cleaned up and smelling nice. Some of you do that. (laughs) You know, that's nice. Um, But you prepare to, in a sense, come out in public. And that takes effort and energy. And I want to just say, well done. Seriously, breakthrough family, well done. I speak to a number of other church leaders And they're really battling to get people to come back after the whole COVID cancel thing, which we'll try not to talk about now. (laughs) So it's kind of like, wow, you guys have got it. This is amazing. Okay. But not only that you, you showed up, but you actually went out of your comfort zone to pray for someone else. I was having a conversation with some people, saying like, you know, when we first arrived and you did that prayer thing, just like praying for the nation, they took that as the cue, bathroom, <laughs> escape. It's like, I'm not doing this. You know, I can't pray in front of other people, and I'm uncomfortable, and this is not me. And after about six weeks, they decided, okay, they would just stay And listen to the other people praying. And then after a few more weeks, they started praying. It's kind of like, wow, that takes courage to push beyond your own preference and actually be active and present. And when you're engaged, there's a flow, a transfer of life from you to others. And it's your courage and your boldness that enables that to take place. Because you've got a contribution to make. That's what the scriptures say. When you come together, each one has got a this or a that. Come on, it needs to be brought. Just your presence encourages someone else. You know, it would be fine if it was Daryl and I, we were the only two in the building, it would be fine. We'd have a great time. You know? But the fact that you're here also adds to Something. No, no, seriously, this is so, so good that we get to bring what God has placed in our lives with our perspective and what we've gone through because each of us have been facing different things. And so we've got different journeys, we've got different stories to tell that speak of his magnificence, his glory, the way that he carries us and brings us through. And that, that's an encouragement. And, and we all need to hear each other's stories. So this is super good. So well done, you courageous people. Yay. Amazing. All right. So, back to the tabernacle. We're going back to the future. The pattern of the tabernacle, which was that tent that was that mobile place of his dwelling when they were in the wilderness... Later on, when they got established in the promised land, it became a building, became the temple. But it was built on similar outlines and principles. But the pattern was to come and to commune, to meet with God and to hear him speak. Because he's a speaking God. It all started out, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God thought. God said. He's a speaking God. He speaks things into being. And he continues to speak. And he said, I will meet with you, I'll commune with you, and I will speak to you. Scripture says, man shall not live by... Bread alone, but by every word. Which means that he is speaking to us words of life, nourishment, things that will give us strength, give us life, that we might live the life that he's called us to live. And it's because he's speaking the way in which we receive that, is by listening. Hmm? We need to be tuning in so that we can hear accurately what he's saying. And this is part of what we've been on this journey of these last few months. If you're not tuned in, you're not going to pick up what's being said. I'm going to embarrass Simeon on the front row here, but when when he was small, look, he never was small actually. I mean, when he when he when he popped out the day that he was born, it was like whoop. it was like his big shoulders, and I warned his brothers. I said, "You better be careful. This boy's coming for you." <laughs> anyway, so this, he was he was about this high, and he had a deep voice. And we were visiting with um, with my sister Christy, so he's talking to Auntie Christy, and he's the deep voice, Auntie Christy. <laughs> she says, I'm sorry, my boy, I can't hear you. She says, Can you say that again? And he repeats after about the fifth time. She says, aren't you listening to me? She hadn't tuned into the frequency of his voice because she just had girls. High pitched. But he was coming with a different Sometimes when God is, not sometimes, God's always speaking, but if we're not tuned in to the frequency of his voice, we won't hear clearly. And so this, this whole sort of time that we've been looking at New Testament prophetic, gifting, hearing his voice, listening to God, that we would be people of the word and of the spirit. Because he's speaking words of life to us that we need today, this week, next week, next month, next year, and so on, right? So that we might be strengthened and nourished. We might know what it is to do. He's got great things in store for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah? So back to the future, the tabernacle. The tabernacle was giving this outline of the way in which to come into his presence to meet with him and to listen to hear his voice. But prophetically in Acts chapter 15 it says I'm not going to rebuild the tabernacle of Moses or rebuild the temple of Solomon. I'm going to rebuild David's Fallen tent or David's tabernacle. What's that? Glad you asked. When David, the king, was bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God, he was bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem. He set up a tent as a temporary place for God's presence, his dwelling, while they were yet to build the temple and in this tent, it was different from the tabernacle in the wilderness. there was no curtain, there was no veil between the most holy place and the holy place. So when David and when those who were selected and were part of those worshiping the Lord, and there was a massive company of them when they would come before the presence of the Lord, there was no separation. They could come right before the Ark of the Covenant. And so he's not building the tabernacle where there's a separation. He's building David's tabernacle. We come right into his presence. And because of the cross, we know that the, The curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Hebrews tells us that that actually was his body that was torn for us. He became a new and a living way by whom and through whom we have access to the throne of grace in our time of need. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. In other words, the invitation is there that we might come into his presence, why? Because he wants to meet with us and he wants to speak to us. yay, come on, that 's what it 's all about. So when we gather together, this is it 's a joint meeting with him, and it 's a joint listening to him. Moy, lacquer. all right, so. On the basis of that, let's go back to where we were a couple of weeks ago in John's gospel, John chapter 14. All right, so John chapter 14, and you remember the context, it was the Last Supper. Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and it was 11 of them in the upper room with Jesus, because Judas, the bad lad, had already gone out to go and talk with the the religious leaders to betray Jesus. So he's speaking to them, and he starts out in John chapter 14, he's washed their feet, they've had the the, the meal, you know, he's instituted the last supper, the cup and the bread. And then he says to them, boys, do not let your hearts be troubled. He's saying, guys, be at peace. Some things are going to go down, but relax, it's going to be okay. Then he says, listen, I'm off to my father's place, and it's good that I go to my father's place because I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then I'll be back. He was the original, I'll be back. (laughs) So he says, I'm coming back, and he begins to... To, to give some teaching and instruction to the guys. that don't quite fully get it. And Philip says, yeah, we don't know the way to the Father. And Jesus said, hey, dude, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, And I'm going to tell you the way to the Father because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, these are massive scriptures that are familiar to us. This is all in chapter 14. This is, this is a time when Jesus was just downloading like a fire hose of truth to these guys. Okay, so here we are now in, um, in verse 15 of John chapter 14. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another on that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. My car, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Okay. Now these fishermen and Dudes, they're kind of like, oh, this is deep. What's going on here? He's trying to warn them and he's saying, listen, you, I'm going to go away. You won't see me for a little while, but then you will see me again. But I'm, I will come and I'll show myself to you, but I'm not going to show myself to everybody else. Okay, On that day, you're going to realize, what day? Well, the commentators are divided in their opinion on which day this is. Is this the day of the resurrection or is this the day of Pentecost? Look, for us, 2,000 years, we're not going to quibble too much because we're already living in the day where he's revealed himself. Okay, What he was saying was, you will know fully because of the resurrection that I am who I say I am. I'm the Messiah. You're going to get it. And you're going to get that actually I came to show you the way to the Father And through me, you actually have union, connection, oneness. You're adopted back into the family. You have relationship and connection to the Father through me. And we're going to do this because the Spirit is going to come and he's going to help you. And he's going to come alongside you, but not only that, he's also going to come inside. He's alongside and inside. This is why the new covenant is an upgrade from the old covenant. This is why it's far better we live now than the days of Jesus on the planet. I know a lot of you think like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to go back, walk the streets of Jerusalem? You know, when Jesus was there. Listen, you only had Jesus when he was in the room. But when he was off on the mountainside praying, you didn't have him. Or, you know, when he was walking across water, you in the boat, or this, or whatever it was. You only had Jesus when he was physically there. We've now got an upgrade. He's with us everywhere, all of the time. Yay. Okay, so we didn't miss out. All right. So he's saying to his boys... Listen, you guys are going to realize, on that day, you're going to realize something, the penny is going to drop. And you're going to figure out, actually, that I am in my Father, my Father is in me. These theological concepts, they're actually going to make sense to you. And the Spirit is going to come to you, and He's going to be in you. And you're probably going to spend the rest of your lives figuring this out. That's about us, okay? But at least we've got a little bit of a handle as to, to what's going on here. Interestingly, uh, okay, let's just read here quickly. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, verse 22, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Okay, so I remember, I spoke last time, that they were still thinking Jesus coming as the Messiah riding on the white horse to th- overthrow the Roman government and establish the kingdom in the here and the now. And, um, and they still didn't get it. Even in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with them for 40 days after the resurrection. He's talking about the kingdom and saying, are you at this stage going to renew and restore the kingdom? And Jesus said, listen, boys, about the days and the times, don't worry, but just you need the Holy Spirit. He'll help you. Stick around, clothed with power and on high, you'll be my witness. It's going to be all right. We'll figure out the rest along the way. So this thing of like, why are you just revealing yourself to us and not to the whole world? And I was thinking about that a little bit, interestingly. Because Jesus didn't do any great public ministry after the resurrection for the 40 days in a sense, fulfilling that. I'm going to come to you, but I'm not going to come to the world. I'm not coming to reveal and do these big campaigns like he'd done before. And there's something, I'm, I'm also trying to figure out, you know, when he had this amazing encounter at his baptism in water, and for 40 days, he spent time with the Lord, It was still like hidden. Then he has this amazing thing, the resurrection. And then for 40 days, he does ministry, but is hidden. Just with the 12. Only when we get to the 40th day, then there are 500 of them, and Jesus does ascension. It's interesting, that 40 and 40. Anyway, but I'm not going to show myself to everybody. Jesus replied, verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and dwell, make our home with them. Wow. It's all about dwell tabernacle, make our home. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So verse 25 says, All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now, I don't give you peace as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, he started the chapter. Now, obviously, you remember that the gospel wasn't written with verses and chapter headings and all the rest of it. But he starts out, you know, this this portion of his teaching. And he's saying, guys, don't worry, be happy. It's all going to, everything's going to be all right. Okay, I'm... The day he arrived, the angels, peace on earth, goodwill to all mankind. Isaiah chapter 9, prophesying of the coming. Those in darkness have seen a great light. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of. So Jesus said, boys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Peace. Now the peace I'm giving to you is not the same peace that the world tries to give. I'm giving you a different kind of a peace. Peace. You see, the peace that the world gives is like, you know what, can we just stop the war? Like, peace is the absence of conflict. But the peace that he gives is the kind of peace that transcends, goes above human reasoning, human logic, the human level. It transcends, it is above It is the peace that causes us to be at peace with God. We're no longer enemies with God. We're on his side. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we were the enemies of God, but now we're being adopted into the family. So we have peace with God. Yay. Therefore, we can have peace... With one another. Because this peace is the greater peace. So it doesn't matter what anybody else does, you can even love your enemies. Because that's not your fight. The only fight you have is the devil. And when you love on your enemy, it confuses him. It's like putting burning coals, heaping it on his head, like he's on fire and he's like, whoa, getting all confused, worked up, burnt up, all the rest of it. When we operate in his peace, it's different from the way this world operates, that the world doesn't understand us. That's why they try to persecute believers. It's like we don't understand. We've got to stamp this out because we're provoking something, we are living testimonies to the Prince of Peace. So as we live in the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, and... We're living the nature of God. We live at peace with one another. Even with your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Wants your coat? Yeah, you go. You want more? One mile? I'll go two miles. It's kind of like, uh, we don't know what to do with this. It's like, that's not the response we were expecting. It's like, you're other. Yeah. I'm from another plane, another dimension. So it's it's like, like another world. It's not another world, it's like heaven. We're living from heaven to earth. We're ambassadors. So we live with the culture of heaven here in this culture. People are like, you speak with a strange accent. Where are you from? You have a strange culture. You have a culture of peace. We're not familiar with this. Can you explain? He said, perfect. I'm an ambassador. Let me tell you about where I come from. I come from a place where he's the prince of peace. And so he calls calls us to be ambassadors and to express that peace on earth. That's why stuff can go wrong in the natural and you can still be in peace. Come on, Jesus demonstrated in the storm, he's in the boat, there's a storm. He decides this is a great time to demonstrate the reality of the situation. Have a nap. Anybody bring a pillow? Because I'm just going to have a nap in the boat. So he's having a nap. He's having a rest. He's sleeping. And the disciples, some of them, who'd grown up on the lake, they, they knew storms. They knew boats. And they were freaking out. This was way beyond what they'd encountered. It's like this is a life and death situation. And Jesus kind of like, where's your faith, boys? And he rebukes them. You bad, naughty boys. He rebuked them. Come on, you read your Bible and you get all Christian on the Bible. (laughs) Jesus spoke to them like they were naughty little boys. What is wrong with you? He rebuked them. Where's your faith? Then he rebuked the storm. What's wrong with you? Stop it mm-hmm. immediately. Those of us who've spent time in In boats on water where there's a storm. It takes a while for it to subside. It doesn't become like a mirror instantly. It takes time for that energy that's in the waves, in the water. Come on, you remember science from school. The energy of the waves. It takes time for that energy to, to be dissipated. But no, he said, peace, and immediately, (gasps) and the boys are kind of like, okay, that was scary. (laughs) We thought the waves were scary. No, 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 we are proper scared. (laughs) Who is this? Who is this? That even the wind and the waves, like he's the master over energy as well as the storm freaking out because they've been in boats their whole lives this is like whoa, whoa, whoa otherworldly okay but here's the thing I want to get to really Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So maybe next week and the week after and who knows for how long. We're going to look at some of the different things that the Holy Spirit does when the Holy Spirit speaks. Okay? Because listen, we spent some time as Paul was trying to help us, give us some handles that we can figure out like, okay, if God is speaking... And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and my sons and my daughters will prophesy. Which means we have the ability to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in doing these things. And so he broke it down in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13 and 14. Now we're looking at, okay, so what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? Yeah? So Jesus is saying, verse 26... He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He will remind you of everything I've said to you. Well, the first surface application is he's speaking to the 11. And he's saying, boys, when the Spirit comes, he will bring back to your remembrance the things that I've said to you over the last three and a half years. Because in essence, they're going to write down what we get as the scriptures, which is the word of God. So, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, hey, all scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired, God-breathed. I mean... (laughs) God breathed the breath of life into Adam. He breathed life with creation. The spirit of God in the Old Testament is known as Ruach. The breath of God or the wind of God. So scripture is God ruach. The word is infused with the spirit of God. That's why the that's why the word is alive. And we know from John's gospel that he's doing a little bit of an echo from Genesis chapter 1. So in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So the Word is the living Word, the eternal Word. He's speaking here in chapter 14 about the Son, who is the word, the living word, the eternal word, being one with the Father. And we just read, he says, these words are not my own, I got them from the Father. So the Son came to bring the word, which is the Father's word. So the Son and the Father are the same. They're saying the same things. And he's going to say here, and maybe we can get to it next week, but he's going to say, when the Spirit comes, he's not coming with his own story. He's coming with my story. He's coming with the things that I'm giving him to say. Now, Jesus, where did you get your words? Now, I got it from the Father. So the Father and the Son and the Spirit one word. It's the same. Come on, that's why when we talk about healing, you say it's impossible for God to put disease on you. It's impossible. Okay, I'm sorry if you were taught by incorrect Bible teachers. I'm sorry. But it's impossible. If Jesus paid the price on the cross, by his stripes we are healed. He is the healer. God reveals himself as the healer. It's impossible if he's the healer to also be the one who's putting to punish you when he took the punishment upon himself on the cross. It's like, well, the father put sickness on me to teach me a lesson, but I run around the father's back and I go to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, will you heal me? It's kind of like, now you're causing the son to deceive and rebel against what the father's doing. Come on, if that's your theology, come on, Dunkabiki. a Come on, it's like, if you believe that God the Father put the disease on you, then you have no business going to God the Son and asking him to heal you. Because you're now putting a schism between the Father and the Son. And they're always in complete unity and harmony. The Son will never go against the Father. Are you with me? Can you see logically how it's an absolute nonsense to think that the one who healed you is not going to be consistent with the eternal one who gives life? But that wasn't my point. He will remind you of everything I've said to you. So he, he, the Spirit will come and He will remind the Bible writers, the authors. So all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, training, encouragement, also for rebuke and correction. That's why sometimes... When we read the scripture, it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, whoa, I need to change my ways. So Hebrew says that the word is alive, it's active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's like a jolly scalpel and separating even between bone and marrow. It's like, oh, serious surgery. That's how accurate the word is. And so the spirit is reminding the 11, and then as they speak and tell the message to others, it gets infused by the life of the spirit, and so the words that Jesus said then become captured, and so the living word becomes the written word. And now when we read the written word, the same spirit of God breathes life into the same word that he breathed into the authors. He breathes into us because we have the same spirit and he breathes those things alive to us. When we read the word, it becomes alive to us. It's as though Jesus himself was speaking to us. Because he is. He will remind you of everything I've said to you. So when we are wanting to give a word of encouragement to somebody else, okay, prophecy, New Testament prophecy, he will remind us of what he's already said. So when we take Psalm 23, for example, and we turn around to the person who's seated behind us, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to our remembrance what's been said in the Word, because He's the eternal Word, and He's going to speak life through the written Word to the person we're ministering to. You're facing a situation at home, kind of, like, oh Lord, help me. And then a verse pops into your mind. That's this, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. I will remind you of what I've said. So the scripture comes, we remember scripture. It's God speaking, he's, he's repeating, it's an echo, if you like, of what he said. But we happen to be at the right place, at the right time, to hear the echo as it passes through the valley that we're in. Hello, 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 hello. How are you, 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 you? I love you, 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 you. And we get the echo and it speaks to us. He communicates to us. I will remind you. So when we are involved in New Testament prophetic ministry, a lot of it is taking the word, saying, Holy Spirit, what? from the word are you speaking to this person right here, right now? Because man shall not live by but by and the Holy Spirit will help us because he'll bring to your remembrance the words that he's spoken. So our prophetic words, remember the tests, will never contradict what is revealed in Scripture. Scripture. Because he's going to say the same thing. Marvelous. Not only that, but he'll teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is going to be our guide. He's our teacher. He's the advocate. The advocate is the one who's stating our case on our behalf. Yeah? Have I told you that we have an unfair advantage? Did I tell you this one? you're looking at me like I must have been talking to the first service. I mean, it's absolutely rigged in our favor. It's amazing. So, our Father is the judge. The judge is our Father. Yeah? And the one who paid the price that we could go free... Is our older brother, and what he does is perfect because he's the Son of God. So when the Judge, who is our Father, who is God, looks at what the Son, who is also God, has done and it's perfect, and he attributes to us the perfection of his Son. Come on, we're on a winning, on the winning side yet. Not only that. But our advocate, the one who's stating our case and pleading with the judge, saying, listen, what the son has done for this one should stand. That one, he's the spirit of God who is God. It's completely rigged in our favor. He wants us to be declared free. You're righteous. No penalty. You're in. I've threatened that one day I will write a book. Who knows? I'm going to have to live a long time, which I'm planning to do. But this, this kind of culture that, like, he's trying to keep everybody out of heaven. Like, no. No, 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 he's doing everything he can to get us in and keep us in. He didn't go to the cross just for a few. Many sons and daughters would come to glory. Glory. So he's he's set this thing by divine orientation for our success, for our favor. And he's made a way where there seemed to be no way. He made a way that we could come in, we could enter in. And so the spirit is with us and in us. The one who comes alongside, the one who is allos parakletos, another one the same as, just like, same type as Jesus, another one just like me, the helper, advocate, spirit of truth. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to teach you. He's going to help you to do the things that you need to do. Because he's on the inside, we have the inside track to know what to do. Because he knows the heart of God and he's speaking to the inside of us and shaping us and moving us and causing us to move in such a way that we please the Father. Not based on a set of rules and regulations. This is not external law. This is internal government. He's governing our lives. And He's steering us, shaping us, and molding us. And so the Spirit will teach us, train us to do what is good and right. This same John, the beloved, he writes a couple of letters. And he says, Now listen, beloved. You don't need somebody else to teach you what to do because you have the Spirit. You have the anointing. And the anointing, the Spirit of God, will teach you and cause you to live right. What's he saying? Echoes of this thing. When the Spirit comes, he will teach you and train you. Now, yes, we also... I mean, you've got a whole scripture. Always got a scripture. There's other scripture. Whole things in tension. Because we know from Ephesians chapter 4, with a fivefold ministry, that there is such a thing as teachers in the body of Christ. All right? And so we know that, you know, shepherds teach and train. There are many other scriptures we can point to. So, yes, of course, there is this thing of instruction in the body of Christ. But as individuals, It's not like I've got to live my life through the teacher. I have the teacher. I have access to the teacher. God himself. And so he's going to teach me. So when somebody sends me a WhatsApp message, it's like, yeah, the signs, this is the end. X number of days, the Antichrist has been revealed. It's like, oh, hang on, wait a minute. I've got the teacher. And the teacher, kind of like, mm, this sounds like second heaven stuff. This sounds like the thief who comes to steal, kill, destroy. This is just repeating his agenda. and Now we're trying to amplify the enemy's agenda and say this is God's agenda. When we actually look to the third heaven, where he sits in the heavens and he laughs. And he's saying he's causing everything to work out in conformity with his will and his plans, and the devil doesn't win. So this WhatsApp here, signed by Christian so-and-so, you know, look, nice try, but you fell short. You didn't get up high enough you only made it to the second heaven. Listen, next time, push through to the third heaven and let's see what God has to say. But in the meantime, here's what I'm going to do with this WhatsApp. Flush. Are you with me? Come on, you've got the Spirit to teach you that you would know how to live. Because if we're living, taking all these things... Which promotes fear, panic, anxiety, unbelief in the ability of God to deliver his people. Amplifying who the devil is is going to cause me to be afraid. This is not feeding me, this is causing me to shrink. I'm not growing in my faith. I'm actually shrinking in my faith when I feed on these things. It's not that complicated. Yay! Smile at me. Like, phew, yes, I agree. It's not that complicated. The Spirit is with us and in us and is going to help us. We're going to be okay. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, verse 27. I do not give you as, as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. If anything causes fear, of peace listen to you what are you saying there's a storm but I have the prince of peace he's he's happy to take a nap when there's a storm he's on the inside Okay, I can face the storm I'm not going down it's going to be all right. Boat or no boat doesn't matter. We can walk on water. Float, float. My story is eight. Let's stand. Would you like to pray? Even if you wouldn't like to, that's what we're going to do. (laughs) Why don't we just in our own words, we just say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've come. That you've come to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us, to remind us of who Jesus is, not just his words, but who he is, who the Father is. That we might know the very nature of, And character of God. That we might align ourselves. With who God is. Thank you Holy Spirit. You are our teacher. Thank you that you are going to show us. You are going to instruct us. You are going to cause us to know things. To learn things. You are going to cause us to understand things. Because you are our teacher. You open up. Our eyes, you reveal things because you're the ultimate teacher. You're patient, you're kind, you're long suffering. You have the ability to explain it so that we get it. Thank you, thank you, great helper, teacher, comforter, advocate. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, you speaking truth to us. So lead us in the way, the life, and the truth. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.